Vikings acquired Yannick Ngakwe. His ultimate goal is to wear a gold jacket one day, and he wants to be a Hall of Famer. He studied the, the greats of you know Chris Dolman and John Randles. Speed off the edge, big play machine, and knack for the football. What's up, Vikings fans? Welcome back to Vikings Vantage. I'm your host, Gabe Henderson, alongside Chris Corso. It's the end of the week, and the Vikings are only nine days away from the home opener against the Green Bay Packers. We've got a loaded show for you guys today. We hear from the newest acquisition, Yannick Ngakwe, wide receiver coach Andrew Janoko stops by the show, and we look ahead to week one with the Vikings team reporter Eric Smith and the reporters wrap up. Like always, though, we start the show with the best thing we saw this week. Corso, take us away. I think the best thing I saw this week was when the Vikings acquired Yannick Ngakwe. I went and watched some 2019 highlights of this guy, and man, I had three big notes of what I noticed. Speed off the edge, big play machine, and knack for the football Head coach Mike Zimmer, that was the first thing he said about this acquisition is it's unbelievable how many times he knocks the football out of the quarterback's hands just last season. It happened so many times. 37.5 total sacks and 14 forced fumbles in his first four seasons with the Jaguars. And you know what, Gabe? He's only 25 years old, and I hope that the Vikings can lock him up for the long term. You and myself hope that he's here for a long time. My best thing that I saw this week was Unique's practice on Thursday. He actually practiced today also. Seeing him out there with the number 91 on was was good to see also. Of course, him and Jalen Holmes, who wore 91 uh, all throughout training camp, had a, I guess, a bet. They traded numbers for some type of, I don't know, I don't want to say money, but it, there was something involved for Unique to get number 91. But just seeing him out there was just re- refreshing because the guy hasn't been in training camp this entire offseason and his first day being out there in pads was really good to see. I had a chance to talk to him earlier today in which we discussed just, you know, how the transition has just been from Jacksonville to here and what his goals are. He's a very goal-oriented person and his ultimate goal is to wear a gold jacket one day and he wants to be a Hall of Famer. He studied the likes of, you know, Chris Dolman and your John Randles. But one thing that really stood out to me is I asked him, I said, hey, there's another guy on this team named Daniel Hunter. How excited are you to team up with him? And he made an interesting comment on that. He said, well, me and Daniel, we balance each other. Daniel is strong and not as fast off the edge. I'm strong, but not as strong as Daniel, but I'm faster off the edge. Having two guys on the defensive line that can balance each other out with, you know, your likes of Shamar Stephan and Jaleel Johnson in the middle, I think this defense is going to be a force to be reckon with. But earlier today, Yannick dressed the media in which he discussed his time in Minnesota and how excited he is to be a Minnesota Viking. Well, money was never my drive coming into this business. It never has been my drive. I've always wanted to be a, you know, just a great caliber guy, great quality guy on and off the field. So uh, I just needed a fresh start, you know, and Minnesota was uh, one of the few teams that uh, gave me an opportunity to, uh, to continue to live out my dream. So I'm just appreciative of that, and I'm excited. Well, I think his intentions are clear. He wants to be here. He wants to focus on being here this year and just play really good football. Like I said, having, some guy, having a guy like that on your team is only going to bring the intensity of the defense up. I mean, his, his play speaks for itself. 14 forced fumbles, 37 and a half sacks. You hit on it earlier, but 
having a guy like Unique here and somebody that has been to the Pro Bowl, has been to the AFC Championship game, he's played in big games, he's made big plays in big games, and at the end of the day, he's just a baller. And all he really cares about is just being a better football player. And for a guy like that, that's, that's what you need in this locker room. Gabe, you touched on how he compliments Daniil Hunter. 6'2", he doesn't have the tall body frame that Daniil Hunter has, but he's quick, he's fast, he beats these bigger body tackles off the edge. And he really reminds me of a player that sort of has killed the Vikings in the past from the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's Brandon Graham. And I I hate bringing up that guy's name because he's killed us in the NFC Championship, he's killed us in the regular season. But man, I see a lot of similarities between these two guys because he's quick off the edge, has a knack for the football, and I think he creates a big-time mismatch with those slower-body offensive tackles. You talk about comparisons. If I had to make one comparison, I'm not sure if he's killed the Vikings in the past, but Von Miller is a guy that I'll really compare him to. Long arms, not the tallest guy, fast around the edge, really good with his hands, and can just get to the the quarterback. Like I said, having a guy like Yannick, it's only going to raise the intensity on the defensive side of the ball, and it's only going to raise the competition. Of course, this entire offseason – uh, Fadi Odenabo has been, you know, that starting defensive end. We're not, sh- we're not sure how the rotation is going to play out. And defensive coordinator Andre Patterson had some great quotes when he addressed the media earlier this week. Well, you know, Courtney, you're always, you're always looking for as many pass rushers as you can get. You know, you can never have too many guys that can rush the passer, and you can never have too many guys that can cover receivers. So. No, that, that's something that you're always looking for. You're always trying to gain as many of those guys as you can. And, uh, you know, so as a defensive coach, that's always something you're looking for. I mean, you know, we, we got excellent pass rushers here, obviously, in Daniil and Afadi. And, um, you know, Amon Watts has some pass rush uh, skill to him, too. So, you know, whenever you get a chance to add another guy to the mix, that helps you out. Hey, Andre, you guys have long talked about that rotation, just trying to establish kind of a lot of guys who can come in and help you out. Making a move like this, hypothetically, what can it do for the guys who are already in the building for you? No, it helps out. You know, you're able to keep guys fresh and uh, you're able to roll a different a different guys on the field that gives you different elements. You know, all the guys rush a little bit differently. So, uh, you know, if I'm an offensive tackle and I'm dealing with one style of rusher and all of a sudden later in the game, another guy comes in that's a different style of rusher, that's, that's, that's hard on that offensive lineman. So when you have the ability to do that, it helps you out a lot. You know what, Gabe? I really like what Coach Patterson said there because there were some references about moving Afadi to the inside, kind of like we saw in, a, in the playoffs a little bit last year. So don't think that Afadi Odenabo is losing his role on this team. Last year, you remember, Everson Griffin was here, Stephen Weatherly was here, and Afadi still has six or seven sacks in a season with limited snaps. So I think it could honestly make Afadi a better player having Unique here than him not being here. For sure, and you, you hit on a good point. Patterson wants to be versatile on the, at the defensive line spot. Him and Mike Zimmer, they, they always talk about being versatile. The first thing he said, you can never have enough pass rushers to rush the quarterback, and you can never have enough cornerbacks. Speaking of plat, pass rushers, you got to have fresh legs, especially on, on third downs. I mean, if Adi, that's, that's where he lives right there. And if let's say, you know, hypothetically speaking, it takes um, unique – a little bit of time to learn this playbook, best believe he'll be in there with uh, Ifadi and your Daniil Hunters rushing the passer on third down. Those are 
arguably three out of the best, you know, probably 20 guys, 25 guys in the NFL that can rush the passer at, at an efficient rate. But we're literally nine days away from the Green Bay Packers. And Yannick, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, he has a chip on his shoulder. When I talked to him earlier today, he basically said his first NFL game was against the Green Bay Packers, and they beat him pretty bad. So ever since that game, he's just he's never liked the Green Bay Packers. So it'll be – Interesting to see how that plays out, but it's always good to have somebody who has a similar taste in their mouth as the other Minnesota Vikings fans and other Minnesota Vikings players when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. Moving to the offensive side of the ball, offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak addressed the media to give his take on where the wide receivers are now that training camp is over. I'll tell you what, it's a really good group. I mean, we've got a we got a tough job settling on however many we keep here in a couple of days. Uh, They've made it hard on us, and that, that's their job. And it, so uh, it's been very good. I'm really proud of all of them. Justin's come a long way. Um, Tajay, uh, uh, BC, Adam have done a great job with Justin, bringing him along. Uh, you know, you sit there and watch Beeps. He's had a great camp. You know, he's really done a great job. Holland's had a good camp. You know, we got these young players. Dan has bounced back and forth for us, you know. So uh, really good group. It's going to be a, a strong part of our team, in my opinion. And uh, – we got two days here to answer some really tough questions, so hopefully we can get that done. As as a receiver, that's where you want to be. You want to put the pressure on the coaches to make a decision of whether or not you'll be on the team or not. And I feel like all these guys have done so, watching practice every single day at camp this year. Gary Kubiak named a lot of guys there. Tajay, Alexander Hollins, B.C. Johnson, Chad Beebe. Even more, Dylan Mitchell had a really good camp. Like All these guys have put the pressure on these coaches to make a really, really tough decision. And when it comes to just the NFL, you know, this time of the year is a bittersweet moment. Tomorrow is going to be a bittersweet day. Roster cuts have to be final before 3 p.m. Central time tomorrow. So it's going to be a bittersweet day. But on the positive side, these guys, you, you can you can allow 16 players in the practice squad this year. So ultimately, that's a less amount of players that have to worry about not making the team altogether. But what were your thoughts on Kubiak's um, comments on the wide receivers? You know what, Gabe, it's amazing to me because if you go back a few months ago when the Vikings traded Stephon Diggs, you look at this wide receiver group and it's a little flimsy and you start to say, man, this is probably one of the biggest question marks on the team. And then we talked to Ola B.C. Johnson a few weeks ago and I'm starting to think this is one of the best position groups on the team with the step that a guy like he takes. You have Tajay Sharp, you get in free agency, you have your first round draft pick and Justin Jefferson, and you have these kind of undrafted guys like like Chad Beebe and and uh, Dan Chisena, who's now a safety, but just, just guys making plays. Alexander Hollins, who you could make a, a strong argument that he's probably one of the, had one of the best camps out of anybody. So there is going to be a lot of tough decisions to make. I think I've left a few names out of there as well. So uh, Gary Kubiak, known for his running backs, I think he's going to have a tough decision-making cuts for these wide receiver group. Because you keep five guys, probably five, six guys, and I think he named like seven or eight in that in that little bite that we had right there. So uh, that's all you could ask for from the wide receiver group. Question marks heading into training camp. The wide receivers, well, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receivers position was one, and then the offensive line position was one, particularly at that left guard spot. But you have those veteran guys, those other veteran four. Uh, starters returning from last year at the offensive line position. And then it's looking like they're starting to fill a role at that left guard spot. 
So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this Minnesota Vikings veteran offense takes shape because they're going to be counted on to lead this team this year, starting with Kirk Cousins. But speaking of the offensive line and the receivers, when we come back from break, we talk to a guy who has experience coaching both the offensive line and the receiver position. But first... The Vikings Entertainment Network takes you inside the walls of the TCO Performance Center each week via the Minnesota Vikings podcast, which features exclusive guests, including players, coaches, staff, and experts across the NFL. Listen to interviews, press conferences, highlights, quotes from the locker room, and much more. Subscribe on all major podcast platforms to listen. And for information, visit vikings.com slash MVP. What's up, Vikings fans? Welcome back to Vikings Vantage. We're now joined by Vikings wide receiver coach, Andrew Janoko. Andrew, how you doing, man? Hey, Gabe. It's great to be here. First off, the last time we talked to you, you were just making the transition to the wide receiver coaching position. You were at the assistant O-line position the, the past couple of years. So before we get started, describe that transition, you know, from assistant O-line coach to, to where you are right now. Uh, actually, it's it's gone really great so far. Um, have a good group of guys. Had a, have a good group of uh, coaches to work with here. Coach Coobs um, coaching me up on things that that I wasn't, uh, you know, that I wasn't as well versed in. But then, you know, kind of getting back to my roots more with the pass game, uh, where I kind of started out before I transitioned to the offensive line the last couple years. So it's it's been really great. Um, you know, excited to excited to be with this group of guys and this group of receivers. You talk about that transition. What's been the you know the biggest surprise? What was the biggest surprise for you before you started getting your feet wet? Basically saying, okay, this is, I got it now. Uh, you know, just just making sure having your having to have your eyes everywhere. You know, yeah. when you're looking at a tight end, a quarterback, an offensive line, your eyes can be here, but now you have you have eyes all over the place. So knowing you know kind of what to expect on this play, where we want the ball to go, and then getting your eyes over there to the important thing. And then, you know, just a, you know, still where's the run play going and where does your guy need to be in position? So just training your eyes to get where they need to be instead of in just one area. Have you found yourself looking at the old line at certain times during practice at all or? Uh, you know, every once in a while you wander, but yeah, I have, we have, we have enough guys on the field with receivers that, that you got to pretty much stay focused the whole time. During these times, we'll, we'll get more in depth about the receiver position here pretty soon, but during these times where, you know, it's an ongoing pandemic and everything going on, how do you balance catching up to speed and not overcoaching during these moments? The one good thing is we have a great veteran voice in our room. And that's Adam Thielen. And then we have a guy that's played a lot of football in this league, Tajay Sharp. And then, you know, we have guys that have been around, you know, BC started six or seven games last year for us. So they're guys that that know the offense, that know what we're doing here, what we're trying to get done. So that that really helps things, you know, so we're not, you know, so you aren't overcoaching. You know, they there is a veteran presence. So you can um, focus in on where you need to be with the route running, the blocking assignments, and then technique-wise. And I think that's, that's really helped out, um, you know, and especially with the younger guys because the younger guys that have come in here, they've really hung on every word that, that some of those older guys have said, and, and I think that's, that's been really good for our group. You talk about those younger guys. Everybody's been high on Justin Jefferson since he's gotten here. We talked to you uh, right after he got drafted, but now that you have the chance to coach him, you had the chance to see, you know, some of his strengths and some of the things he can work on. What has it been like for you to be able to coach such a talented guy like that? 
Oh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, he's a good kid. Um, he's a competitor. And, you know, that's one of the things we look for in our room. We want to compete on every rep and everything we do. We're looking, hey, how do we win this rep right here? And, and he brings out uh, that competitiveness to our room. And I think that's that's really good. And so so that's been fun with him just getting his feet wet. And he has a he has a good knowledge base of route running. He understands what he's doing his routes. And now so the big thing was just getting him in the scheme and getting our offense and how we do things here. Of course, we see social media videos. Everybody's into, into social media right now. You always see Justin dancing or always something to keep the mood light. Is it like that in, in the wide receiver room also when, when the work is done? Yeah, you know, we know when to, we know when to go. We know when to slow up. But at the, end of the, at the end of the day, this is still the game that we all fall in love with as little kids. So we're going to have fun. We're going to have personalities. And, you know, we're going to go compete and work hard. And that, that's a big thing. So when we know when to keep it light, we know that, hey, it's still fun to win and still fun to do things well and still fun to have success. So playing this game has to be fun. Um, just speaking of training camp and a couple of guys that's, I wouldn't say, you know, stood out more than the other, but maybe some surprises. Hey, like, you know, hey, this guy came in better shape than what I expected. Well, I don't know if I could single out one person, but I, I think we can speak to the group um, that the group came in ready to go. And this group was ready to ready to play and ready to work. And they came in uh, healthy. They came in in good shape. They knew what they had to do to get themselves ready for training camp. And the younger guys were around, you know, some of the older guys in the, in the, um, the team's calls. And I think that was good because the, the older guys gave them uh, a picture of, hey, this is what training camp's like. You've, you've coached under uh, Gary Kubiak, Tony Sperano, Norv Turner. Uh, Pat Shermer, those are just a few guys to, to to say the least. How have you know those coaching experiences under them helped you become the coach that you are right now? Well, you know, you just try to be a sponge, and when you're around people, good people and good coaches, you try to be a sponge. You try to write things down and then then draw on that. And that's been one of the fun things is being able to look back at my notebooks and see the the people that I've been around. Um, you know, going back to, you know, as far as I can remember and taking just things that that have been good and how they've treated players and how they've brought players along and how they've pulled struggling players up. Um, you know, that, that's been a lot of fun and being able to draw on the knowledge base. And, and I have been very, very blessed to be around the people that I've been around throughout my career. In one of your interviews, you talked about, you know, being, you know, involving for the betterment of your players. How do you feel like you've, you've done that so far in this wide receiver room? You know, just making sure that you have something for each guy to work on and be specific and, and set goals for them and that they understand the expectations going into each practice or each meeting, you know, there's a goal for each meeting and structuring that, that we're getting something out of it. And um, so, you know, that that's one of the big things to try to really be organized. So each guy understands what he can get better at today um, on the football field, in the classroom and, you know, every, every aspect of his game. Get you out of here with a couple more questions. Just, you know, this season, we've got Green Bay coming up this upcoming week. What's, what's the mental preparation going into that? Because I know, as a coach, you can get excited, too. It's like, hey, you know, finally got football back. But at the same time, it's like, let's execute, too. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is, is focus each day, focus each play, focus each period and concentrate on, hey, what do we need to get done right now? Um, 
setting setting that goal for for hey look this is a, this is a run and play action period what do we got to get done here and staying right in that focus and it's okay to get excited I mean it was nice it was a little cooler today it's hoodie season now and and you know it is football it's time to play football now and so it is it's it's okay to get excited it's okay to get yourself ramped up but understand what we need to get done right now and and how we can stay focused and get better within the moment within that moment how do you make sure each guy's prepared and you know to the point where hey once sunday comes we're going to be the best that we can be i think it's just having a plan for each guy understanding what each guy does well um what he doesn't do well and how you can bring out the best in him and what he does well and that's something that coach Coobs always talks about that you know getting guys in position to do what they do well and that's how you have success so just staying within that mindset and staying within the mindset that we can improve on each and every skill within our game, route running, catching, blocking, all of that becomes, you become the complete player and then you can become a complete unit. Lastly, I've had a chance to talk to a few guys this off season and they talk about the potential of this room and how excited they are to, to be able to play in the talent in this room. For a coach, just describe the talent in this room and the potential this group can have uh, heading into the season. Well, you know, the biggest thing we talk about is we want to be the group that helps our team win. And that's that's all there really is to it. That's when we're talking about potential. How can we use our talent to help our team win? And whatever it is in whatever phase it is, you know, whether it's blocking, whether it's running routes, whether it's in the screen game, just whatever we can do and take our skills to help our team win. And that's really the it's really the only only thing we're focused on is just be tough, physical, smart football players that helps our team win. That's wide receiver coach Andrew Janoko. Thank you, Andrew. Now moving on to our reporters wrap up. I would now like to bring in the Vikings team reporter, Eric Smith. Eric, what's up, man? I'm doing good, guys. Thank you for having me. We've had an opportunity. You and I had an opportunity to watch practice just about every day from starter training camp until I guess at this point now where training camp is over, I got to ask you, though, what's been your biggest takeaway from camp seeing almost each day of practice? Yeah, I think the biggest question that a lot of people had has now been answered, at least in my eyes. And that is the the state of the, of the defense overall with, with the turnover that that unit had in the offseason, obviously losing three cornerbacks and losing some people on the defensive line. You know, there were a lot of questions on, on how that group would look entering this season and, and how they would fare in camp. And to me, the defense looked good. And I thought we that the, the unit was going to be just fine in the 2020 season, even before the trade for Yannick Ngakwe. So I, I think the Ngakwe trade really helps boost the overall defense. I think the defense will be where it's been under Mike Zimmer for the last five or six seasons. But even before the Ngakwe trade, every, you know, guys were making plays and, and the whole unit to me looked, looked great. Speaking of guys making plays, being there, having your three observations every single day, I want you to pick one player on the offensive side of the ball that stood out and one player on the defensive side of the ball that stood out. Sure, we'll start on defense, and it's a guy that has really turned, turned heads a lot, and that's rookie cornerback Cameron Dantzler. You know, he was a third-round pick out of Mississippi State, and, you know, he was kind of knocked a little bit in the offseason for his 40 time at the Combine. It wasn't very fast, and that kind of slid him down the draft boards a little bit. But since day one of camp, he's been making plays he's on, on Adam Thielen, 
you know, he, he intercepted Kirk Cousins in a practice, and he's really just shown up. And the thing that really stands out about Dantzler is he's lengthy. He's six foot two, about 190 pounds, and even if he's not the fastest guy, he, he can still make up ground with, with, with his length. He can still knock the ball away on a deep route or, or reach in there for a PBU when, when it's a contested catch just because of the length that he has. On offense, I'll go with a guy who might be the smallest player on the roster, and that is wide receiver Alexander Holland. I mean, he's only 160, 170 pounds, depending on you know what clothes he's wearing that day. You know, he's, he's not very big, but, but he has gotten open every day in camp. And he's not a guy who's going to make a bunch of contested catches. We, we know that. But if you're looking for a guy who can be reliable and get open, that's been him in camp. And I'm really interested to see how the Vikings shake out their roster with, with cut day coming up and, and where Holland fits in and, and if he does make, make the team. Because, you know, he has grown and improved a lot since 2019 when he was on the practice squad. And, and that translated to the field for sure. You talk about cut day. Of course, practices are over right now. Were there any guys that, you know, made an impression? Of course, we, we've talked on the on the show each day, but like now that we've seen every day of camp, every day of practice, lasting impressions, guys who didn't start off strong, but finished strong. I think Tajay Sharp is a name that comes to mind for me. You know, uh, there was so much focus on the young wide receivers when, when we started camp. There was a bunch of young guys behind Adam Thielen, and Tajay was really the only veteran. But he's really shown up in the last week or so, you know, including at the practice at, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, on defense, I really liked what I've seen from Eddie Yarbrough. You know, he, he, he was actually on the team a season ago. You know, he didn't play in any games. He was like a late-season addition. But he's really shown up in camp, especially with, you know, the – the bodies that, that have been out at defensive end, Eddie's gotten a chance to get some good, meaningful reps, and, and he's taking, taking advantage of that. It's a different year. There's no preseason games, and these roster cuts are coming up. So can you just give the fans a little insight on what's going to happen with the Vikings roster over the, over the next couple of days? Yeah, so, you know, this is obviously a very important weekend for the Vikings. and you know, it, But it's not a fun weekend either because even though we're at 80 players in this camp instead of 90, that means – you know, a handful of guys are are going to be gone. And, and that's always sad because everyone has worked hard. You know, it doesn't matter if you end up making the 53-man the roster or not. You know, you have to give credit to everyone for putting in the work. But, yeah, by Saturday at 3 p.m. Central Time, the Vikings roster has to be down to 53 players. And then on Sunday is when we'll announce the practice squad. So, you know, and, and the, the practice squad is different this year, too, with, with, with COVID and, you know, the, the different rules. Uh, instead of 10 players, NFL teams can have 16 players. So that there's more players, in, you know, in case of, of injury and COVID for this season. But, yeah, definitely a, a bittersweet weekend. Um, you know, you, you've followed guys for the past couple of weeks and couple of months. And, but by Sunday afternoon or I guess by Monday morning, you know, the Vikings are going to have their 53-man roster and, and start getting ready for Green Bay. We'll get you out of here with this. Speaking of Green Bay next week, heading into week one, what's an interesting storyline Vikings fans should be aware of that stood out to you so far? It's a rare game. I mean, obviously, games against the Packers are not rare. You know, there's always at least two border battles every season. But it's rare in the sense that this is the first time in the Vikings 60-year history that we will open the season at home against Green Bay. That has not happened in the previous 59 seasons. So, Wow. You know, there's going to be plenty of excitement around that game. You know, and the games with Green Bay are always important, but with so much uncertainty this year and just with, with the uniqueness of the year, 
in my eyes, week one is even more important than ever. You know, teams always talk about how they want to start 1-0 and and go 1-0 and every week. But since it's the Vikings and Packers in week one, and both those teams have, you know, perennially been at the top of the NFC North, whoever wins that game is, is almost in the driver's seat a little bit for the, for, the, for the NFC North, you know. And if we look at how things have played out in recent years under Mike Zimmer, if the Vikings do well against the Packers, it means they probably make the playoffs and win the North. If they struggle, it means they probably miss the playoffs. So over the past, I looked it up, over the past five seasons, the two years the Vikings have won the NFC North, there's three, a combined three and one against Green Bay. In the other three seasons when they have not won the North, and there's obviously a playoff appearance in that last year, the Vikings are two, three, and one. So there's a difference there between a winning record and winning the division and having a losing record. And more often than not, they don't make the playoffs. So it's a big one. Week one is, is always big, but with Green Bay coming to town, it's, it's going to be that much more exciting. Exciting to say the least. We were nine days away from kickoff. Green Bay Packers are visiting. But make sure you guys stay tuned to Vikings.com for everything you need to know regarding that game and how you can watch it, stream it, and even listen to it. For Chris Corso, Eric Smith, Andrew Tinoco, I'm Gabe Henderson. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Vikings Vantage. Vantage.